0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: Before the episode, we want to thank a couple of our Patreon supporters. Thank you, Eileen, Jordan, Stacy, Rebecca, and Jessica. We really, really appreciate you and the things that your support lets us do, like hire paid staff writers for sartorialgeek.com and pay for this podcast and all of the editing and things that go along with it. If you want to join them, go to patreon.com sartorialgeek. You can check out all of our cool rewards there, and we would super, super appreciate it. This episode is sponsored by Karen Hallian. Karen Hallian is an incredible illustrator who creates beautiful fandom art. If you enjoy the types of fandoms that we talk about on this podcast, you're really gonna like Karen's work. You can buy prints, stickers, and other products at karenhallian.com, and you can also check out her Patreon and join the 1,000 other people who support her art at patreon.com/slash karenhallian. <laughs> Welcome to the Sartorial Geek Podcast.
2: I'm Jordan Ellis of Jordan and and I am so excited to have romance author Sarah McLean here today. Hi, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me. We're actually both in Brooklyn, but separately in Brooklyn right now.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know about you. I live in I live uh, on a third floor of a walk up and like my apartment is just basically filled with like books and, you know, nightmarish housekeeping so yeah my last apartment was to do it this way four, four
2: walk up so fully understand that yeah I just imagine
0: you like surrounded by like the mice from Cinderella all making clothes.
2: Basically. And I'm in Bushwick, so I'm like actually surrounded by mice and rats all the time. It's so. But not, fun. From <laughs> not from Cinderella. Not from Cinderella. So if anyone listening doesn't know who you are, uh, well, first of all, we just launched a romance collection, just a teaser of it. Um, but yeah. also, you like have written a zillion romance novels,
0: which is well. So impressive. Um, I'm I'm I feel very slow in the romance world. Romance writers write so fast, and I write about a book a year. But um, yeah, I'm working right now on my fifteenth. So so wild, and I am so excited that there is romance gear now in the world, like yeah. fandom gear. Because
2: and there's more um, coming
0: yeah there's more coming. i'm super <laughs> excited. I mean, I just think it's really funny because, as I know that you have lots of um readers you've lots of listeners um and and fans from fandom and romances is sort of its own it's very similar to kind of any big fandom world like um because we're all sort of quietly over in our corner like geeking out about the books that we love and the tropes that we love and and uh, the genre and nobody outside of that world has any idea what we're doing or why we are the way we
2: are so and i am like just from (laughs) you know yeah just from working on the collection which again it's still just the beginning and talking to you and listening to your podcast faded mates um I'm realizing how much there is like I've known about romance for probably my whole life. Like that's maybe one of the like, you know, when there used to be books in grocery stores and there would be like the romance novel section. But I didn't Mm -hmm. know like how much is happening in the world of romance until probably the last two months. And it's amazing. (laughs) Like the community is huge. And the things that are happening in romance and, and the conversations that are happening. And yeah, like you were saying, like the tropes, like there you can dive so deep. Um, yeah, and I'm just learning about that and it's super cool. Yeah.
0: Well, it's really funny. Somebody, I was, I was on Twitter the other day. I spend too much time on Twitter. Um, but I was on Twitter the other day and, um, I was reading a thread about there's only one bed, the, the trope. There's only that was
2: on the podcast that I was just listening to of yours and I was like, (laughs) What is (laughs) that? And um well, it was really funny
0: because it was all about how in fanfic, like one of the big things that fanfic writers often write is like, you know, there's only like two people in it, like I don't know, somewhere and there's only one bed. So they like have to share a hotel room or they have to share, you know, space in some way it's, um, in romance, we call this forced proximity. Um, and so, and I was like, it's so funny that this trope, which is so popular, essentially this whole thread was about, I think it was about like some kind of fanfic in like the Marvel universe and how like there's only one bed. It's just like through, there's, there are a few, there are several writers who are just always writing that with different characters. And I was like, um i was like it's so funny that this is such a big thing in fanfic but it's like been in romance since the dawn of the genre like this is our i mean we shine <laughs> Right, (laughs) only one bed, Um, and so it's just really fun, and it's really, it's really. um, I feel like there's a a really wonderful place for this marriage, and so when we met for the first time, I was like, "Oh, this is all going to work out really well." Like, it feels like you get us. Um, One
2: of it is, yeah, it is kind of surprising how not strong like the tie between romance and fanfic is, at least like that I've seen, because it seems like. They are so like perfect best friends.
0: Yeah. Well, you know I do think I mean? there is. I mean, I think a lot, a lot. Well, I mean, the biggest romance novel of the last decade. 50 shades is fanfic, True. right? I mean it's twilight fanfic. So um and it it came to, it came to be as as you know chapter by chapter. Um and so yeah. I think so and that sort of birthed a real a lot of big authors who were doing the same thing. Christina Lauren who's a, a huge romance. They're a romance writing duo but they were also part of that twilight crew. Anna Todd was part of that twilight um, and they all came up through there. Um, and they birthed this kind of real new genre. They, they revolutionized romance in, in, you know, about a decade ago. And now um, I think we're seeing more and more um, writers of fanfic moving into romance because that kind of, I mean... I don't know about other like I know other people disagree, but for me, like if they're not kissing, I don't want to know about it.
2: <laughs> <So. laughs> it. Part of your tagline for your bio, something about, it's, yeah, something about kissing. Exactly. I,
0: I read looks, they're <laughs> smooching in them. So. Right, <laughs> um, right, and there is like guarantee there. I will never. I I can promise you now. I make this my my solemn <laughs> vow. <laughs> There will always be kissing. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it's really, you're totally right. Um, but also like it feels, you know, romance has that feel, um, we talk all the time about how romance novels are designed to be written to designed to be read really quickly. Like I say, um, you know, if it takes you less, more than six hours to read one of my books, I've done something wrong. Um, and the idea is I want it to feel sticky. I want you to not be able to put the book down. I want it to feel the same as, you know, how it feels to watch a great television show and like be desperate at the commercial break right. For the next one or be desperate at the end for the next one. Um, and I think of chapter breaks as commercial breaks or as like, like, um, episode breaks. Um, and I, I want you to binge it. Um, that's what they're, that's what the books are for. And, you know, rabid, rabid romance readers. Um, the average romance reader reads about 10 to 12 books a month. Um, and oh my that's, gosh, that's so wild. I know. And 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 they and it's because we're so we love this genre so much. We love what it means. We love the stories that it tells. We love that it puts us um at the center of of the story and it makes us, it centers us in happiness and in joy and in triumph. And um, for so many years, women and marginalized people have been put on the page to sort of suffer and be martyred and die. Um, And that's not what romance is for. Romance is, the cornerstone of romance is happily ever after. So there is this sort of constant sense of, um, you know, the books delivering you life in triumph, which we could all, I think, have a little more of.
2: That's so beautiful and also so similar to, like, why people get into fandom in general. Like, that, yeah, Yeah. that overlap is so strong. It's, like, some version normally of, like, not feeling like you belonged at some point or, like, not feeling like you, your story was told and then you find, the thing where like you are celebrated um, or like, you know, yeah, whatever that is. That's so, that's so Well, there's this sort of, yeah. I mean, I, it feels like in fandom there
0: is so much this idea of like the heroes of their own story, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, every character has the opportunity to be a hero. Every character has the opportunity to be, you know, the, The person or the thing that changes the world, that saves the world, that like, that impacts the story in a, in a transformative way. And that's what romance is always. It's always about, you know, two or three or, you know, more characters who fall in love and transform each other, transform the world around them. Um, you know, it obviously varies between the subgenres of the, of the, um, the larger genre, but, um, in every romance, people are changing for the better and they're doing it, you know, ordinary people are doing it in really extraordinary ways. And the power, their sort of superpower is love, right? Yeah. Which is a superpower we all have access to. That's so cool.
2: And also if, if anyone hasn't like dipped their toes into romance in a while, the genre is I feel like it has changed a lot since like, I feel like when I was a kid, it was like, Oh, romance novels are like a man and a woman. And I mean, I'm sure there, I'm sure there was more that I didn't know about, but it felt very like old fashioned, like my like old yes. school incorrect version of romance. And like, if anyone like me hasn't updated uh, what they know of the genre lately, that is not all you can expect um, from romance books?
0: No, now. no. I mean, sh- the genre. So romance is only about 50 years old. Um, That's wild. You know, it's, it's built on the back of obviously like um, Jane Austen is the first contemporary romance novelist, right? Like she was writing romance novels about her world. Um, yeah. But, you know, if we move forward, the what I mark as the first the First Modern Romance and what most, you know, at least American authors um, or you know, experts in the genre, Mark, is the first modern romance is the first book where we saw um, a heroine on the page. The story centered on her, the story written through the female gaze rather than the male gaze, which is what so much media and around us is always centering, centering the male, male gaze. Um, but it also puts sex on the page and it gave her, um, it, it, it gave her sex and didn't punish her for it. Um, and she, you know, she has an orgasm on the page. Like there's actual real sex on the page. And so that's what we mark as the first romance. And that was published in 1972. So we're a relatively young genre. I mean, YA is probably the only genre that's younger than us. Um, And so what's remarkable about that is you can sort of reach back to the beginning and you can mark time in history and in culture, particularly in American culture, with romance novels. And the reality is, is like all the terrible things that have been part of our culture for, I mean, longer than 50 years, but that have evolved over (laughs) the last 50 years have evolved in romance. So those early books were largely white, largely cis, largely het. Um, You know, and now we're starting. But as time progressed, we started to see um, romance, romance characters, main characters diversify. The world's become populated with more diverse characters. Um, and now I feel like we're in this really magnificent heyday of the genre where no matter what your identity, no matter what your kink, no matter what you're interested in, you can find a romance novel that suits you. And that includes even, you know, ace and arrow people, um, can find themselves in romance novels, which I think, um, is a a really like lovely new modern convention.
2: Yeah. I was yesterday, I was listening to one of your most recent, uh, Faded Mates episodes which was like the Q&A like throw a collection of like <laughs> Stump us. Yeah, yeah like and so the descriptions of <laughs> like a, we look, threw
0: you into <laughs> the deep end of the pool with I that Jordan because <laughs> I was a crazy like, episode
2: <laughs> it was amazing because some of them I can't remember exactly but it would be like you know a romance with two people in this setting and like maybe vampires. And you guys were like, yes, got it. Like every, there were books. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was a wild one. (laughs) That was a wild ride. It was like plus size heroines focused on fashion.
0: Bonus points for vampires.
2: (laughs) What? (laughs) And every single time like a description was read, I was like, there's no way there's this book. And then there (laughs) is. So I think that, I think that is like, I mean, I've, yeah. I have noticed that as I've met more indie authors and, like, seen things that, um, like, there are way more books happening in the world than I, who is, like, I am trying to learn everything that's happening in the book world, and I'm, I'm not in it as much, so it's taking me longer and I'm slower. And, like, there is so much more happening than what, I thought like there's so much overlap of genres. There are so many like specific, super specific books that I think that is what reminds me of fandom where you're like, how this is so specific. There's no way anyone (laughs) other than just me wants that this, but like surprise there are. And it's amazing. Somebody's out
0: there. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's the coolest thing. And I mean, look, the reality is like, I, I love romance. I mean, it, it will come as no surprise that like, <laughs> I love romance so much and not just cause I write it. Like I've been reading it since I was 10 or 11. Like I'm obsessed with this genre. And I, I mean, I just love every corner of it, but what's really interesting is, um, it has always been about, um, centering fantasy and desire and self and pleasure and these kind of things that seem to be, verboten in the rest of the world, like things that we can't, that the rest of the world sort of shames us for romance has always said those you're safe here with us thinking about these things, right? Like no matter what your fantasy, no matter what your pleasure, we have, we've got you like, um, and, and that really does mean like, I want a queer, a book, like a queer romance about a chef and a, I don't know, a mechanic. <laughs> and I want that, I want there to be pegging and, you know, like, or whatever it is. Um, and we can find that for you. And if we haven't, and if it doesn't exist, like there's also space for you to write it and you're welcome in our pool. Um, And I think that that is now. Did that happen 50 years ago? Probably not. Probably not as much. um, Certainly not for that particular example. Um, But now it's happening more and more. And I really feel like um, that's that's what we're giving the world is this sort of awareness of like love is powerful. Sex is is not shameful, Um, sex is something to, to take pleasure and, and power from, and, um, nobody's going to shame you here.
2: And I think that's something that, I mean, again, part of the reason I had so many like wrong and old ideas about romance is that I hadn't, I just, I had never like dived into the community as an adult, but Mm -hmm. I remember like learning that romance, the romance genre, can be feminist or like is feminist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? That seems yeah wrong. But like
1: it <laughs> isn't,
2: which is amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting because obviously you sort of look at those old books. When we think about, when, when somebody who doesn't know anything about the genre thinks about romance, they think about Fabio, right? Like they yeah, think about totally. those sort of like old covers with like Fabio's hair flying. And I mean... To be honest, I read all those books and I love them all so much. Um, <laughs> right. But there, and they think about you know, this, this, you know, the bodice ripper, the kind of the rapey, the rapey hero who, you know, throws the heroin over his shoulder and like takes her off to, you know, be patriarchy for her. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think like that toxically masculine hero did exist for many, many years. Um, but I think that when we, when you talk to somebody who knows about the genre, there is, um, there's a reason why he existed, right? Like in the 1970s, just to sort of give you a little bit of a picture, like, um, you know, women's, it was, The first romance was published in 1972. Um, At that same time, um, Congress was debating the Equal Rights Amendment. Gloria Steinem stood up in front of the DNC at the convention that year and said, if the Democratic Party doesn't do more for women, it's going to lose women forever. Um, and you can't, Democrats can't win without women. Um, there, it was this time when, you know, legally, a woman couldn't be raped by her husband. Like, there was actually no recourse for marital rape in the courts. Um, married women couldn't have their own credit cards or their own bank accounts. Um, these kinds of things, it, 50 years ago doesn't, it, 1972 doesn't feel like that long ago, but it was archaic for us. And what was happening is inside these fluffy books, like behind these crazy Fabio covers, these conversations were being had, right? Like, Women and heroines were getting raped on the page, but like that was being called that the word was being spoken on the page. Heroines and authors were claiming it as rape. Um, and so what was ending up ha- and what was happening in these books, the transformation in these books was the hero who starts off, you know, toxic masculinity, pure distilled patriarchy. And through the course of the book, through love and through the heroine's influence becomes kind of softer and kinder. And more of an equal partner. And that story gets told over and over and over again in these books. At the same time, um, the covers are really basically like they're a giant blinking sign that says, you know, men keep out. Right. So the conversation right. is being had totally. between women, about women, about women's issues, about the world that women dominate and the world that women populate. And so the conversation, when you start to think about it that way, the books start to feel really subversive, like this conversation is ha- is being had right under the noses of patriarchy, um, right under the nose of patriarchy without anyone even really knowing because they're just blowing these books off as like silly little
2: books. But that's so, yeah, yeah I, that all makes so much sense. Yeah. I just had never thought and of it And on top before. of it, like,
0: think about this, like this transformative, I mean, there's a writer um, named Susan Elizabeth Phillips who's been writing romance since, you know, the 80s. And she says all the, all the time, you know, the reason why rape was on the page in those early days was because the so- society slut shamed women so much that there was this idea that like good girls didn't give it up before marriage. So like Mm -hmm. invariably in these like weird, these weird rape scenes in these early books, they end in orgasms. So it's like, she's being like, she, she gets, she's allowed in some way to take pleasure from sex, but like without having to feel shame for wanting it. Which is a really, like, wild thought when you think about it. Like, this is what those sort of scenes were doing subversively for women and sex. And, like, freeing the orgasm in some way. Which is bananas. And now... Luckily, we're doing something else. But like, I think these kinds of conversations, when you start to have them about romance, it's it's really interesting. And just going back for a second to fandom, I think these kinds of conversations can be had about a lot of things. Right. Like superhero books, for example, Um, comic books rose up alongside like in the wake of a world war. Right. Like these big, big conversations that are had about um, community and culture and fear and, you know, something as massive as war. The idea that comic books are a product of that is something that we don't talk about enough. Like there's a reason why superheroes exist and it's not just about, you know, capes.
2: Yeah. That's interesting that both of those do kind of have this, like, this, like, old mentality of like oh you silly little books like comic books Mm -hmm. are for kids romance novels are like for women and it's it is very empowering to think about like what they were actually doing (laughs) and that's really that's really really and I mean I wonder like I I don't actually
0: know a whole lot about the history of comics but like I wonder if comic writers knew what they were doing Mm. I mean maybe but I, and I don't think the early romance writers really knew what they were doing, but I think that's part of when you're writing genre, right? Like true genre fiction, fast and furious and, and like in, in a world that's kind of churning, you don't, it's very hard to take a step back and sort of say like, well, what I'm trying to do here is comment. Is, you know, I'm writing commentary right. on, you know, the state of war and, you know. The Industrial War Machine. Like, no one knows. Like, that's not... Right. Nobody said that. But at the same time, l- hindsight is twenty twenty. And when you look back on these books, it's obvious what superheroes
2: mean. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm like... I am so thankful <laughs> that I am working with you now, and I have this like new appreciation. I'm pretty for dorky. The genre. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, and also romance is literally perfect for me because I I may have told you this. Uh, people listen who listen a lot definitely know. I am a very slow reader, and like I rarely give myself time to read a lot. So romance books are like romance and comics. Honestly, graphic novels like. Something I can read in a day is perfect for me. So I think these two are like my new jam. I'm so glad.
1: I'm so glad.
2: I
0: mean, that's that's so great. I mean, that's Uh, what they're for. I think we spend way too much time saying like, oh, when you read, you have to read something that feels like it's, you know, you have to read read things that feel hard, you know. Read things that make you feel like they're yeah. like you're being challenged. And the reality is, like, you can be impacted and challenged and powerfully moved by text that doesn't require you to like sit down for a yeah. month to, to read. It. It. You know, we don't need that <laughs> to all read <laughs> yeah. Tolstoy. Totally. Like, yeah, um, reading can be really be entertaining
2: too, and still be like, wonderful. yeah, I mean, like.
0: It apps. nobody has to read romance. That part of the joy, right, is like, yes, when I commit romance, I think about all of this stuff. Like, that's what's in my brain. But, like, that's not what's in the brain of most romance readers. Most romance readers read it just for pure, unadulterated pleasure. And, like, there is value in that. Absolutely. Alone. If they did nothing else but give people pleasure, that would be enough.
2: Yeah. I feel like this is the perfect... I feel like this is the perfect time to ask, like, if someone's listening and is like, oh, yes, I would love to dive either back into or for the first time into this wild world of romance. Where where do you start? Because there is so much out there. It's huge.
0: It's a huge pool. Um, so there are, you know, you can get what I said earlier is true. You can get a romance for any, you can get historicals, you can get paranormals, you can get contemporaries, you can get, you know, whatever you are looking for. You can find sci-fi urban fantasy. Um, and so what I would actually recommend is I have a website. Um, I have a page on my website that is about 200 really great romances, um, not obviously all written by me um, and if you go there you'll see I've written sort of a two line description of each one Amazing. like so you can sort of you can search for things that you're interested in um, you can just scroll and look at all the covers and see what you, what yeah. sort of turns you on um, but I would absolutely um, maybe you can, you can maybe like put it in show notes or we can link to it but absolutely. it's actually at sarahmcclain.net slash recommended um, but if you go to just sarahmcclain.net it's one of the buttons on the main page and you can scroll. So I would start there, like scroll there and see what looks good. Um, there are lots and lots there's faded. You can always listen to an episode yeah. or two. You can listen to the most recent episode of Fated Mates. <laughs> um, and uh, if there's a trope you really like, if you're like, Oh, I really wish I could read something about like curvy heroines or, um, you know, I don't know, escorts or road trip romances or historical romances. Um, Fated Mates has episodes on all of those different kinds of tropes. Um, um, and uh, you could always start with me, Yeah. <laughs> not to toot my own no, horn, absolutely. but if you're interested in historical um, romance at all, if you're, if you're willing to try historical romance, um, I think my newest series is pretty, a, a pretty solid place to start. Um, the first book in the series is called Wicked and the Wallflower. And the premise of the books is um, it's, three siblings who had to run from a terrible uh, home life. And they landed themselves as children in London in the 1830s. And they build themselves into um, criminal royalty. And they are smugglers and uh, bare knuckle fighters. And um, the book that I'm writing right now is about a woman who owns a Magic Mike XXL style brothel. Um, (laughs) So um, it's really fun. And there's a lot of, um, you know, rooftop shenanigans. I love that.
2: (laughs) That's so awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for talking to me. Like I learned a lot, which is very cool. And I am super motivated now to go actually like check out all the things that are happening in romance um, yeah well, i feel like you, it's for me
0: i'm so thrilled about this new collection um i'm so cool the teaser is perfect and i'm really really excited for february for the whole line so
2: yeah so Valentine's day everyone stick yeah. around we'll be so doing exciting. some even cooler things I i can't wait Um, this is such a fun, this is such a fun collab. I am, I'm so excited and I'm excited for your new book coming out. Thank you. Yeah. It's coming in the summer. So there's a little bit of time, but thanks so so much for having me, Jordan. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can head to our archives to hear more or hit subscribe to hear what's coming up next. If you want to go a step above and beyond, you can leave us a review on iTunes, which helps other nerdy people find us, or you can go to patreon.com slash sartorialgeek to help keep the podcast going and check out the cool rewards that we have over there. Have a great week and stay nerdy.